Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. So, y'all found 2 Timothy chapter 4. All right. I just want to share um, something that I got on my heart this morning. I think we can uh, tie all this together. A lot of times for me this time of year, as especially when we go back home, this, Kath and I have been here uh, uh, the week before Thanksgiving, marked five years that we've been here in Cook County. And so we go back, uh, when we go back home, it's, it's, it's like a chance for me to reflect and just, just see where the Lord you know, just just to look at the journey. How many knows it's not necessarily about the destination, but it's all about the journey? You with me now? Listen, I mean, you got to keep the destination, the goal in mind, but you got to enjoy the journey. You got to live for the day. And so I, I just want to talk about this. So this morning, I want to talk from the subject of the race, and I want to I want to uh, pull out a few verses of scripture and And uh, let's just go from there. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning. We thank you for the Word of God. We thank you that it's alive, it's powerful this morning. And Father, I pray this morning that you would open up our our ears to hear. And Lord, let us leave this place encouraged. God, knowing that each one of us has great destiny in our lives, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4, you there? It says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight and I've finished the race and I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give to me on the day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Let's read it again. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight and I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Every person in this room's got a fight to fight and a race to race. It's not just a man holding the mic. It's not just the singers on the stage. It's not just the ones that are privileged to be seen out front. Every person in this room has got a race to run and a fight to fight. And nobody can run it except for you. Nobody can run it except for you. Now let's look at this other verse of Scripture. Go to Ephesians. Chapter 3. No, chapter 2. Let's go to chapter 2. Listen to this in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Nowhere in there says that you were created in Christ Jesus to go to church. You were created for what? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. Now, let me read it out of the uh, uh, Passion Translation. I love this translation of this verse. It says, we have become his poetry, a a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, 
Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would, that we would do to fulfill it. My God, that's good. Let me read it again. We have become his poem, his poetry. My God. A recreated people. God didn't do away with your old man. He destroyed the old man. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus according to the word of God. A brand new species. A people that will fulfill the destiny he has given to each of us. We are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. Now listen to this. I've often heard it said that once you find God, and I've actually preached this before, but once you find God, the next biggest thing you need to find is the call or the will for your life. Now let me say that. That, that, is, that is mostly true, but it's not all true. I want to propose to you this morning that not only after you find the Lord, the next thing you've got to do is find your tribe. I can't get away from this. Your tribe has your call, has your destiny, has your equipment, has your purpose, has everything you need is found in the tribe. You've got to find the tribe. If you find the tribe, you will find everything else you need. The other night, Catherine and I were in our home, and I, I, I just, I was talking to her about some things, and I said, Catherine, 20 years ago, did you see this, where we're at today? She said, yes, yeah, she said, I saw it. That's what she said. And I've looked back over my life, and as we went back home this past time, I looked at everything that, was, that I held that I didn't want to let go of. How many knows that when God asks you to do something, He doesn't show you the whole thing. He just asks you, will you trust Him and will you obey Him? You with me? You okay with this? We're going to get anointed in a minute, and I'll get somewhere. All right? How many's cold? Anybody freezing? I don't know. It's a little chilly. It may, but we are. Let's hold it like that. I'm subject to sweat, you know. All right, and so, <clears throat> help me, Holy Ghost. So we go back and we look, and I, man, I am amazed that as I look back over the last five years of my life, how much God has done for me, how much God has done for my family, how destiny really does pay dividends. Are you with me now? If you hold, if you got $100 in your hand and you hold it like that, that is the most it will ever be in your hand. But if, you, if we learn how to walk with God and we hold everything like that, just a chance to steward it. Come on, somebody, whether that's a call where we're at, whether that's a job, whether it's finances, if God wants to reach down and grab it out of our hands, we don't got it tight-fisted. Come on, somebody. But I've never had God to pull anything out of my hand that he did not bring it back, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over with increase. And so let me just say this. I personally do not believe that destiny is that hard to find. It was not hard for me to find. 
And Jesus had to find his destiny the same way we got to find ours, through the Spirit. What I found is when I got saved, I started attending a church. And it didn't take me long till I found, I found my tribe, I found my people. You know how to find your people because if you carry an A note on the inside of you, you'll know it when that A note is strumming. You may not understand everything about it, but you'll say there's something about that group of people. There's something about them that I come alive when I'm around that group of people. Now let me tell you what I've also found. That hell will do everything he can to keep you away from your tribe and your people. You have to have a made up mind that that's my folks. Regardless of how they act, regardless of how I'm going to act, that's my people. And that's who I'm going to do life with. And that's where I'm going to be planted at. Come on somebody. The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. Not the bunny hoppers, but those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Those that put roots down. It says that's my people, that's my family. Family, that's where the blessing of God comes from. Y'all all right? Now let's look at this. Now first of all, there's a, lot, there's a lot of teaching and I believe on the individual blessing and the individual calling. But Jesus, when he told us to pray, he didn't say, pray my Father who art in heaven. He said, our Father who art in heaven. You with me? Now let's look at this in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going somewhere. I got some good stuff right here. Just hang on. I'm just throwing you some biscuits around right here. We're going. I got some meat up here. We have to warn some before we throw the meat. You know what I'm saying? And today's church. Hollis, <laughs> oh, let's go right here. First Corinthians 12. Look at this in verse 12. I don't care, listen to me, I don't care how powerful you are, how anointed you are, how much dreams and revelation you have, you need somebody. I said, I don't care how powerful you are, how anointed you are, how much dreams, how much revelation you walk with, everyone in here needs someone. The greatest preacher that you can think of that you can see on TV or watch, whoever he is, let me tell you something, he needs somebody. Everybody used to see Pastor Parsley back when he was blowing and growing. And, 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 but one of the things he would say, if you know anything about his life, his son was born with uh, severe autism. Said he would never talk. Said he would never walk. Said he would never go to school. Not only does he walk, not only does he talk, he graduated from college. But he, was, he would talk about before he would walk out on the stage to preach about God being a healer and to preach about faith and all of this stuff. Said a lot of times he would be in a pastor's office in shambles but look, looking at his own situation, how his own son was staring him back in the face wondering where God's answer is on. Everyone needs someone. Everyone's got to have someone to speak encouragement everyone's got to have somebody that believes in you when you don't believe in yourself friend I'm telling you friend everyone needs someone and if you got someone that believes in you that can speak encouragement into your life you will have the ability to become what God says you are nobody starts out on the top Nope, for me, it didn't start out on the stage. I didn't start out with a microphone in my hand. I started out like everyone else, sitting on the pew, listening to someone else speak. All right, let's look at this. For as the body is one and has many members, I'm in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. But all the members of that body being many 
are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as what? He pleased. Who sets them in the body? God. So who who determines your tribe? You or God? Come on now, y'all, y'all all right with this? Who determines your tribe, your family? You or God? God. I mean, I wouldn't have chose some of the ones I was running with, but he did. Come on. Now, here's the thing. Every hand's got to have an arm. Every ear's got to have a head. Every eye's got to have a head. Every foot's got to have a leg. And how we become this mighty force into our destiny is finding the place that we link up to. Now my foot is not to be connected to my hand. But my hand is connected through my foot through other members of my body. Come on somebody. And through joints and ligaments. This is where Paul talked about in Ephesians that the body is held together through joints and ligaments. Every person in this room, there should be a day that you are not receiving nutrients. If you are not getting life, that is because you are not connected. Come on, somebody. Listen, the flow's flowing. It's, it was flowing from the time we started singing this morning. Come on. So I didn't feel nothing. Well, I'm sorry, friend. I'm telling you, it was flowing up in this house this morning. When she got in that saxophone by herself, it was really flowing at that point. The problem is you got to connect to it. If you're not connected, it flows right by you. Come on, somebody. How my heart is being fed this morning. It's arteries running all throughout my body, bringing life to every portion of my body. So my main point that I've got to worry about is where am I connected? We can't all be connected in my living room. Come on, somebody. But somebody's got to get connected to somebody who's connected to somebody who's connected to the head. Come on, somebody. We, we're connected as a body. This is what Paul was talking about. We have many members, but we have one body. Now, here's the thing that with the grave mistake we've done is we put all the honor on the preacher and said this is the most important part. Paul goes on to say that there's members of the body which are not seen, that we, are, we bestow greater honor on. Come on, somebody. Listen, some of the most important people that do the stuff in this church is ones that you never see. It's the prayer warrior that labors in prayer. It says, God, please anoint them. God, give us breakthrough. But we're all connected into one body. Now, for me, God showed me my tribe at an early age. I received the Lord On February the 2nd of 1998, as an 18-year-old young boy, now the wife thing I had to pray through, Catherine had to pray through, no, I'm playing. Listen, I'll tell you that story right here in just a second because I want to flow all this together. 
But when I was 18 years old in 1998, God was moving and shaking in 1998. I'm just telling you, there was a lot of stuff happening, a lot of stuff birthed in 1998. That's just really shaking the globe. Um, the ramp came along in 1998. I hopped with Mike Bickle around 1998. Um, I think it was Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry around 1998. There was a lot of stuff. And John Bagley was born in the kingdom in 1998. And so I was born in the kingdom in 1998, and so I started attending this church. And in the middle of me attending this church, they was in the middle of a pastoral change. They had a, they had what they call an intent, uh, uh, um, what what is it called? Interim pastor. And so, so anyhow, he was a preaching machine, and the Lord was moving in this church. And I remember that that we they did a, they got a full time pastor to come in. And so, as the pastor came in to pastor the church, he had met a man years ago, a, a Church of God evangelist years ago, and that man was named Dale Young. And he called him in, in 1998, called the, this church in 1998, and said, would you come to Alma and preach a revival? You with me now? I am a Methodist kid. This, is a, this was a Methodist church. We didn't speak in tongues. I didn't know nothing about prophecy. Prophecy was, you know, when uh, the most I knew about the extent was Perry Stone was on TV with the with the wands and all that, talking about how they go come down and march down and take us out. You, you with me now? And so I remember I remember that that revival, and in that revival, I received the first prophetic word over my life. There was three guys up at the front. And I went to the first one. He said, I see a Barnabas anointing upon your life. Son of encouragement. I go to the next guy. He said, I see a Barnabas anointing upon your life. The son of encouragement. I go to the last guy. I see a Barnabas anointing. The son of encouragement on your life. And God was highlighting my destiny right before my eyes in 1998. I'd never seen Sparks, Georgia. I'd never heard of Cook County. I didn't know none of this exists. But in 1998, listen, look at the amazing wisdom of God and how he, how he is really writing a poem with your life. In 1998, I'm 18 years old. The man comes from this church to my hometown to run a revival. It gives me a prophetic word that I'm the son of encouragement, a Barnabas anointing upon my life. What is a Barnabas anointing? It's a fatherly anointing. You with me now? Man, Steve. Steve was a lot younger, a lot good looking, more good looking than he is today. <laughs> Come on, I'm just trying to, don't, don't, I want you to stay humble. Wore cowboy boots and a suit. I remember seeing them walk down, the, I walk down the steps of that church. I can take you right to it. And I remember the question that I asked them. And I asked them this. I said, do you, do you believe in predestination? They took me right to the Bible and, and, and just went through the scriptures with me in Romans 8 and also in Ephesians chapter 6. We went through that. And so... I want to talk about this right here. For the remainder of this, I want to really drill a point home before we leave. And I want you to, let's go to the book of Ruth. So you got to find your place, where you fit. Where you fit. Ruth, chapter 1. Now, I'm talking about the race. 
I've been running for 20 years. Some been running for 40 years. Some been running for 60 years. Some been running for a year. It don't matter as long as you're in the race. Hear what I'm saying? It don't matter as long as you're in the race. And let me go and tell you, I believe where we're headed at now, what's taken some 30 years, some 40 years, you, that because of the momentum in the kingdom and where we're at right now, some's going to get it in two years. That'll make somebody shout right there. All right. Now you find your tribe. Now I want you to look at this response. Because not that I have arrived anywhere, but I always think about Catherine and I. Because you got to understand, when that gun was fired for the beginning of that race, I looked to my right, and there was about 10 to the right and about 10 to the left. And I watched a lot of them, Cleve, get caught up in the hurdles of life and, and go down. And, and I thought about some of the things that, you know, we've not been perfect by no means. So please don't think that I'm some angel in white. She can stand up and tell you that. But by God's grace and mercy, we haven't encountered any major boo-boos. And by God's grace and mercy, we've been able to keep it in the center of the, of, the, of the road. And by God's grace and mercy, this year I'll be married to this woman for 18 years. And I'm still madly in love with her. Come on, somebody. God's given us three beautiful children. And in a may, I can't, I just, I'm so blown away at what God has done in our lives. And I think, you know, sometimes, you know, how did it happen? Let me just tell you this. I believe that Proverbs 4 holds a very, a very a key. It said to guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart for out of it will flow the issues of life. Throughout this thing called church life, you got to watch your heart. And you, got, you can't let certain things get in your heart. You can't let unforgiveness get in your heart. You can't let bitterness get in your heart. You can't let jealousy get in your heart. You can't let envy get in your heart. These are the things that you must be. You must be grown enough to slay these things in your own life if you're ever going to be able to run the race. Because there will be people that will run further than you at a faster pace. Just because they're going at a faster pace doesn't mean they're better than you. Doesn't mean they're better anointed than you. Doesn't mean they're more gifted than you. It just means where they're at. Come on, somebody. And you cannot get your eyes on your neighbor while you're running the race. A racehorse wears blinders for a reason so he can't see the horse next to him so he can look at the finish line. This is how we run, Miss Katie. We wear the blinders on our eyes looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith and keep looking at him. Steve may outrun me for a second. He's in a different season of life. Maybe he'll enter a season of life where he's in the standstill and see the salvation of the Lord and I'll begin my running pace. But I'm telling you this, I have seen people run and not slow down and take the easy doors. And when I ask God, why did you give us this? I mean, God, you left Catherine and I. Why didn't you give us, why didn't you give us the same easy doors? Only to find out the easy doors wasn't the way to go to start with, friend. 
The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't matter how fast you get there. As long as you take one step at a time, just learn how to serve God on that step. Just learn how to be content in all things. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter if you're living in a mansion or a single wide trailer about to blow away. Just be content in all things and learn how to give God thanks and praise for where you're at today. God, I thank you that you have never left me nor forsake you. I thank you for where I'm at right now. I'm not where I used to be, God. I am so much further down the road. I'm more delivered today than I've ever been in my life. I may have a few little foxes trying to come up on the vine, but thank God for his mercy. I'm not where I used to be. All right. Pentecostal side of me coming out a little bit. So you find your people. You've got to learn how to take the sword to kill the things in your own life. You can't expect your neighbor to do it for you. This is the part of maturity. Maturity means I take actions for my own self. I take responsibility for me. Hello? I'm not depending on the preacher to crucify this. I depend on me to crucify this. How do you do this? You present your body as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, which is your reasonable service. Going unto God. I've had to learn this the hard way. And let me tell you what I found out about the Lord. He gives open book test. And a lot of times he don't shout out. You know like when the emergency broadcast system comes on gives you that warning. This is a test. This is only a test. A lot of times if Jesus did that, we could be real prepared. But a lot of times he puts somebody in front of you and just, and just really just highlights them and pours out divine favor on them just to check and see what's in your heart. Listen, out of all the ways that God could have anointed David, he, didn't, he anointed him right in front of his brothers. This is the way God always does promotion in the family. He does it in front of the whole family. Come on. He promotes us in front of our family. How do you get promoted? Outward promotion is a reward for what's happening in the secret place. That's good. Now let's look at this in Ruth. I want, to, I want you to see this before I get out of here. Never saw this before. One of the things I'm going to bring out. Ruth chapter 8. Now we know this, that Ruth is married to Naomi, one of Naomi's sons. Naomi leaves the land of Bethlehem and Judea. She's, she's in the land of Moab. Her husband dies and her two sons die. So Naomi's left, I mean, yet Naomi's left with Ruth and Orpah, two daughter-in-laws. Now she's about to leave and head back to the land of the house of bread. All right, you with me? Now let's jump in the story right here in verse 8. And Naomi said to her, to her daughter-in-laws, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with, with, with the dead and with me. The Lord grant, grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, 
and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves and having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake. And the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Look at this. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah, what? Kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Do you see this? Look at this. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now what I want you to notice is this. I'm just going over the events of my life. You apply it to how it works for you. What I want you to see in this is this. Ruth was willing to go with Naomi when Naomi couldn't offer her anything. Naomi had no money. She had no platform. She had nothing she could offer her. But Ruth said, there's something down deep in my spirit that I got a feeling that there's something inside of you, Naomi, that's forever going to change my life. And I don't know what it is. And she does something that we often have, as a society, have forgot this one word, covenant. You with me? She says, I'm going with you and let nothing but death separate us. Now, there's a lot of people, listen to me. I want to talk about a heart posture a minute. Because to me, I don't want to offend. I'm going to tell you what I did. and I'm just being real this morning, okay? We got a lot of people stayed at home this Thanksgiving. I'm just be real, real. The picture that you guys gave me up front, I knew what I was going to do with that picture. Whenever I got it, I knew that I was not going to hang that picture in my office. And I knew where that picture was going. Because that picture spoke a lot of things to me. Those that have been, Matt's been with me for 10 years. He knows a lot of journey of my life. To me, that picture was just a little bit of sense of the small town kid is not having to live in the back row anymore. He's a little bit higher up on the ladder. It don't matter where you get, you got to always know where you come from. And you know you get there by the grace of God. Come on, somebody. You with me? So Catherine lives with me. She knows for the most part. It's not that I leave here and say, well, I'm the pastor of Cornerstone Christian Church. I go home at night and thank God that I get to be the, I get the privilege that he saw something in us, that he allowed us to stand and have the privilege to stand and be the pastor of Cornerstone Christian Church. So some, some ask sometimes like, well, where's John's family? Where's his mom? 
My mom is living, by the way. Saw her this week and spent Thanksgiving dinner with her. When I lost my father, my family kind of got scattered. My dad was a centerpiece. The things that I have in me today about family and things come from a dad that didn't even know God. So it's kind of hard for me to, to relate to preachers who know God but don't value family. Because God is a family man. Come on, somebody. He desired to have us not so that we could be preachers and singers and investors and bankers, but so that he could just have us as children and we could be a part of the family. And so my family got a little scattered and it just doesn't get together. With any family, you have to be intentional about it. You agree with that? And so my family was, my mom was backslid when I was coming up. My dad didn't know the Lord. But every morning my mom sang Southern Gospel on a karaoke machine. And she would sing about the cross and she would sing about Jesus. And so, now my sisters have been here, seen what I do. My mom's never been here. And so, I wrote my mom this long letter just to honor. And I said, you know, when you were, when, when you thought that I, because a lot of times I did not know the Lord when I was a teenager, I was out there a little bit. And I said, you never knew when you was up singing those Southern gospel songs that there was a preacher laying back there in that bed. He just didn't know it at the time. Come on, somebody. You can't never give up on people, church. You never know what the, the, the destiny that God has for someone. He chose that before they ever entered the earth. Come on, somebody. And just because they're the total opposite of that now doesn't mean that they're too far gone. Come on. Isaiah 59 says his hand is not too short that it cannot reach down and save. Clay is a wonderful testimony. I'm a wonderful testimony. Here's a room full of people with messed up lives that God has intervened and by his grace and mercy has cleaned us up and made us presentable. Well, we all agree with that in this room. And so I took that photo, that large thing, and I took it to my mom's at Thanksgiving. I wrote her a letter, and I told her, thank you for everything that she'd done. And she called me, she called me, and she said, I'm taking all the pictures down off that one wall by the couch. She said, I'm going to hang that one picture over the couch. Now, here's the thing. In my heart, I knew that I was called to preach. There was no doubt that I was called to preach. And Catherine and I, we were young growing up in ministry. Our pastor would always say this. said, he's very pregnant. I look pregnant today, but said, I was very pregnant. I was young, 22, 23-year-old guy trying to preach the gospel. He's very pregnant with ministry. But in my heart, I never served my family that we went to church to get the platform. This is the problem why we can't really have momentum in the church. Because we got people that want to serve. Listen, you got to be in the family because you love the family. Y'all right with this? You in the family because you love the family. Not because of what we do. You love the family. You just love the people. So she has, no, she has nothing to offer. But Naomi says, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. Let nothing but death separate us. It was this heart that caused Boaz's attention to look at her. There's something different about her life. There's something different about this girl. She's serving a woman that ain't got nothing to offer and she's willing to get out early in the morning and go glean in the side corners of the field. 
There's something about her heart. God always notices a person's heart that is willing to walk in covenant, that is willing not to live for themselves, but to live for somebody else. My God, I'm preaching good this morning. I'm telling you this. Someone that is willing not to live for themselves, but willing to be spent and be spent on behalf of someone else. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, speaking of Abel, says though he was dead, yet he speaks. How does a dead man speak? A dead man speaks through the legacy he leaves behind. Those that he planted into. I, I can't find no other greater place. We were trained early on in ministry. Monique told us this. She said the greatest investment you can make is in people's lives. Spend your time investing in, in people's lives. Sure, we've had some that went and bankrupted. But I will say for the most part, the ones that we've invested our lives in, I can still look at them and I can still see them. Now, let's look at this. If you look at Orpah, Orpah gives Naomi a kiss. And she gives her a kiss. And she walks away. Now let me just say this, to the killers to the race, is those that don't want covenant. <clears throat> Most theologians believe that Orpah and the rabbis believe, I can tell you exactly where I got it, it's written down, but believe Orpah lived a very, she was very uh, promiscuous life. She gives birth to four Philistine giants. One of them named is Goliath. Listen to me. I want to show you a people who live in covenant and those who live for themselves. One produces and gets married and produces Obed. Come on, somebody. Who produced Jesse. Who produced David. Come on, somebody. Whose legacy is still in the earth today? Come on, somebody. Why? Because they were willing to make a covenant and wouldn't live for themselves. The other gives a kiss of betrayal and said, hey, you can't work me no more. When you can't provide for me, I'm going to find someone else that can provide for me. Come on now. And so she leaves, gives birth to Goliath. And who takes Goliath out but David? There was another person in the Bible in Luke 22, Jesus at the Last Supper. He says in Luke 22, I have been waiting all this time to have this meal with you. And he goes on and he talks about this is my body, which is broken. He's pulling these disciples in, these 12 apostles in, and he's seeing who's got a covenant heart and who don't. But there was one named Judas that was with them the whole time. Y'all right? Judas couldn't understand covenant. I'm just trying to tell you, I've watched people get in the race. And they're hungry to get in the race as long as we can provide. As long as you can get a little piece of the pie. As long as you can get a little bit of the stage. But the Judases never get to the end of the race. Judas never makes it the distance. He sold the Lord out his last stock that he had in God for 30 pieces of silver. So how do I find, preacher, what are you saying this morning? How do I find my destiny? I'm telling you, your tribes and your people. There was a few weeks ago that we traveled over to Thomasville.
And we was there and we was at this church and I was about to preach. And as we, I, I just looked up and they had this title on the wall. And as I look at the title, it said New Vision. It was New Vision Ministries. And I got to thinking, I preached my first sermon 20 years ago in 1998 at a church called New Vision. And in 2018, I'm standing at New Vision, Thomasville, Georgia, about to preach the gospel. And I looked over at Bats, who I met when I was 18 years old at a place called New Vision. Man, church, I don't know if you get anything. But I looked at him, and I said, can you believe? I said, can you believe? 20 years later, God would let me be in Thomasville, Georgia, with you to preach the gospel at New Vision, the place where it all started. He looks back at me and he said, no, God let me be with you. Regardless of however it is, it's pretty neat that you start out at a place called New Vision and 20 years later you're standing at a place called New Vision and you're still preaching the gospel. Come on, somebody. God is the author and finisher of our faith. I just came to tell somebody, just because you can't see clear direction right now doesn't mean there's not a direction, friend. Just stand still and wait on God. Be faithful with the last thing that He told you. Stand right there and hunker down until you hear His voice again. There's been many curves in the road, but God's always been faithful to wind us through the curves and trek us through the mountain. And I've seen the same part of the mountain several times. And Cat would say, hey, ain't we been here before? Ain't we been here before? And I would get back in a place of prayer until we got it figured out. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. I want you to go right here with me to 1 Samuel 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, just flip right over a few pages. I want to read you this right here. Here's the story of Saul. Here's the story of Saul. I just want to preach this out of my heart right here, but you, you can read it when you get there. Home, 1 Samuel chapter 10. Here's, here's Saul, the farmer boy. And he's on the search for his dad's donkeys. But what's hidden way deep in, in Saul's heart that he doesn't know it, that God has destined him to be the king of Israel. He has no clue because he's from the least of the tribes. He's the least in his tribe. And God has destined him to be a king. And Saul is on this journey to go find his donkeys. That his dad, his dad lost the donkeys and he sent them out to find it. And so the guy that's with him said, Hey, there's a prophet over here named Samuel. Let's go ask him where the donkeys are. And so, listen to this. So the guy, so Samuel, uh, Saul says, hey, we can't go see the prophet because we ain't got no gift. They knew to take the man of God something. Come on. Take him some chicken or something. So they come up with something. They come up with a gift to go take it to the man of God. It was just a sign of honor for what's on his life. Come on, somebody.
we went by, Grant and I, I took him to my pastor's house that when we lived in Jessup when I was in my early 20s. I showed him the yard. And I said, I used to mow that grass every Saturday with a push mower. Not because I was told to. Because I honored them for who they were. I never saw myself as equal with that, with that anointing that was upon their life. And I will tell you today, and I don't say this in any arrogance, I'll tell you out of, out of that whole church, out of everybody that was around that whole deal, there was a bunch of, there was a bunch of Judases up in there, and there was also, there was also a bunch of, bunch of Ruths in there, uh, Naomi's and Ruths in there. But I can tell you there's two people that I know that walks in that anointing that was upon that woman's life today, and that is me and that's Pastor Dale Benj who came to this church right here. So I took him there and I just I showed him everything that we everything that I used to do. Nobody told me to, nobody asked me to. I wasn't doing for any selfish thing. I just wanted to pour the hand the water on the hands of the man of God and serve him. So here's Saul, he does, he's not aware of what's in his heart. And so he goes and they, they take this gift to the man of God and as they get to, the, to where the man of God is, he releases his prophetic word over, over Saul's life. And he's talking about, in all of Israel, who is this but the king of Israel that stands before me? He said, why do you speak to me like that? Why are you talking to me like that? My family's the least of the bunch. We're from Bacon County for God's sake. We're from Sparks or Morven. Why are you talking to me like that? Deep in all of that insecurity was a king lying in there. He had to have someone to draw out. Listen to me. Dennis, he had to have somebody to draw out what was in his heart that there's people that could see what he couldn't even see in himself. So while I stood three weeks ago in Thomasville, I could not believe that I was the one. That I got to ride with Danny in the back seat of the car. That Dusty got to drive. And Bats got to ride in the passenger seat. And I got to tag along. And they were going to hear me preach. See, you got to have, what, what does your tribe do? Your tribe sees in you sometimes what you don't see in yourself. And your tribe calls that out of you. And what happens is, is when you get in your tribe, it turns you into the man that God destined you to be. The scripture says when Saul found this group of people that he was turned into another man. What happened to me is I came and found my tribe as an 18-year-old boy and they turned me into a preacher that God destined me to be. What happens when you find your tribe if you're a worship leader? You'll be turned into the worship leader you're supposed to be. You'll be turned into the banker you're supposed to be. The carpenter you're supposed to be. Your tribe turns you into who God called you to be. Y'all right? I'm going just a little further right here because they took 10 minutes more than what they should have with worship, all right? They ain't my fault. They can't take up my time. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 9. I'm done right here. I'm facing close. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 9. How many know that, how many know that Saul, 
Saul of Tarsus had a radical conversion. Remember that when Acts chapter 9 on Damascus Road when he has, a, has, a, has a, uh, uh, an encounter with the Christ. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, I believe it was verse 26 and 27, it says that Barnabas came and took hold of Saul. The best thing that can happen to your life is somebody to come take hold of you. Y'all, I'm telling you, this is a good word right here. I'm telling you. Somebody to come take hold of you. It was when Barnabas come and took hold of Saul that he brought him into Jerusalem and introduced him as a young apostolic leader when all of Jerusalem was still scared to death of him. But he took hold of him. Everybody in this room, listen to me. You need someone to take hold of you. It's like you, Pate. You meet a young guy named Jesse at school who's got a daddy named Steve. And he just takes hold of you. And look at where you're at today because he took hold of you. Everybody in this room needs someone just to take hold of you. Stanton and I were standing in our suits yesterday and I just got home and I told him, I said, I'm so proud to be with you. Because I know when Dale took hold of me, my whole life changed. The revelation I walk with today, where you think you get that kind of stuff from, it's modeled before you. The passion that I have today, it was modeled before me. And that person who takes hold of you, their anointing and their spirit comes on your life and it begins to mold and shape you and it becomes to get increase in your life. You with me? Larry, is this not the pathway into destiny? Someone to take hold of you. Now think about this. Barnabas is no, he's no powerful preacher. He don't write no book of the Bible. He's just a guy. And in Acts chapter 15, him and he, he looks at now Paul. Saul's changed to Paul in Acts 15. And they're fixing to go back on the missionary journey and go through the towns in which they had preached. And he said, listen, and, and so Barnabas says, we're going to take John Mark with us. And Paul gets, he gets, he gets sidelined with Barnabas. He said, Paul ain't going with us. I mean, he said that John Mark is not going with us. He said, because I don't believe he's, he can't work. And John Mark was a guy, he liked to preach, but he didn't like to labor. Yeah. Y'all ain't never seen nobody like that, do you? Like to eat, but it don't like to work. Lord, I was going to bust him out. I'm going to be nice on that. So he said, we're not going. Here's what the scripture says in Acts 15. Here it is again. It says, but Barnabas took hold of John Mark, laid hold of John Mark, and sailed on. And Paul sailed with Silas. Now think about this. Here's a man who nobody hears preach. Nobody knows his name hardly. But the two men that he took hold of are two of the greatest, greatest authors 
in the Bible we read for the gospel of Mark and the 13 books that Paul recorded. Why? Because a man took hold of them. Folks, I'm telling you, everything in your life can change if you learn how to get connected at the right place and the right person lays hold on you. That's good. The right person lay hold on you. And you, you see that person for who they are and what God has in their life. And then as long as you see that thing that God has in their life, you can always continually drink from it. You with me? Raise your hands. I'm going to bless you. Y'all awful quiet, I guess. You know what? Eating turkey ain't good for us. It makes you sleepy. That's why we don't have it in our house. No turkey. <laughs> Father, I bless this people today to run the race. Some of you are in the beginning stages of a business. You just need the right person to lay hold of you. Father, I pray today, I know that you are for us. Father, I thank you for the men that you've placed in my life. I'm so thankful for it. Father, there's not a day that goes by that I don't tell you how thankful I am for the men in my life that have laid hold of me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the encouragement that comes from family. From family, how we can encourage one another and we can impart courage. And Father, I pray that we would do that in this house as a family of believers, that we would part courage, impart courage. Father, you would help us to get connected at a greater level. Father, I pray that throughout 2019, we would, we would really, truly become what family is supposed to look like. Father, when the people look at this house in this region, God, let them say that there's something about that group of people. There really are a family. Father, help us to love one another in a deeper level. Father, forgive us about backbiting and complaining and talking about one another. We repent of that because it's sin, Father. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a love for one another like never before. I pray, God, that this people would have a great week. They would enjoy their family this afternoon, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bless them today, God. I bless them with everything in me and we give you praise, honor, and glory. Give God a hand clap of praise. Hug somebody. Love on them. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 